You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Sacks in the Basement brought to you proudly by Family Waterproofing Solutions. Look, if you have an issue and you see it outside of your house, a lot of people see these when they walk around a home. They see the, uh, the sidewalk squares and they're starting to get out of whack. That's a foundational issue. And all of that stuff has to do with water getting into your foundation. If you're seeing seepage in the basement, water in the basement, you're worried about the sump pumps, you got to deal with window wells, anything that has to do with the foundation of your home, Family Waterproofing Solutions is there to diagnose to tell you whether or not you need to make any moves right now, if you have to do something later on in the future, give you estimates, give you options, and repair issues if you already have an issue that needs to be repaired right now. And they do it at a great cost. Plus, you get money off if you mention Socks in the Basement. You don't have to pay as much if you tell them that you heard about it on Socks in the Basement. So give them a call. Phone number's right there on the logo for the show or reach out at famws.com. My friend, it was a busy last few days for the White Sox. I have a ton of things that I would love to talk about. And so today, for the first time ever on Sox in the Basement, we are going to play Choose Your Own Adventure. Oh, nice. Like like the books back 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 in the day where, uh, you know, you could be on like a road rally and then all of a sudden bats are going to kill you if you take the wrong turn. Right, right. Or let's say that you're in space and a space vampire jumps out of a closet and uh, sucks your blood dry uh, if you go to page 72 instead of page 84. We're on page 84. You would simply repair the engines and then fly <laughs> off into the sun on page 97. Exactly. Right. <laughs> I don't know if any of right, you have right. ever read a, a Choose Your Own Adventure book, but they are great. I, I kind of want to get my hands on one now after we started talking about it. They were like one of the major parts of my childhood when I went to a library or, or if somebody bought me a book and it was a choose-your-own-adventure, I would just get lost in them. If you've never tried one, try one. They're ridiculous and hysterical and a lot of fun, and I, I think all of your children should have some. But anyway, maybe you should have them as adults as well. But what we're going to do here is this show can go in any direction today. Don Paul is going to be on the show. That's the only thing that's assured at this point. Okay. Everything else is going to be chosen by Ed because... I have a list of things. So no pressure on me. Oh, yeah. If you screw up, it's a bad show. People are mad at you. Oh, okay. Well, then that's a nice change from them being mad at you. Oh, yeah. They're always mad at me. And that's the first topic. Uh, There were people that were upset that I was excited about Adam Engel coming back because they don't like Adam Engel. And they were mad that I was saying it was an improvement. And I'm going to tell you right now, Andrew Vaughn is really the only legit outfielder. I can't believe I'm saying that out loud on this entire team right now that I would want in my lineup on an everyday basis. Who'd have thunk that? Larry Garcia is a Swiss Army knife, but if he's starting every day, your team's in trouble. Uh, Adam Eaton is no longer good. He is on the decline. There's a reason why it's a one-year deal with a one-year option. And if you had a completely healthy outfield out there, he would not be playing all the time for sure. Uh, Billy Hamilton probably doesn't even make this team if you have a, a healthy outfield. Jake Lamb, who? You would have never even seen him on the club. He should be jettisoned very soon, I would think. Adam Engel isn't perfect. He's a fourth outfielder. But him joining the team is an upgrade. 
And we could talk a little bit more about that. We talked about it a lot on the last show, so I don't know if we want to go back to it. You can just go back and get that on demand anywhere podcasts can be found and always at SoxInTheBasement.com. We could talk about the need for an outfield bat like immediately. I think when you play really good teams like the New York Yankees, you see that there are holes in this offense. I, I think on Monday night, it could have gone very badly for the White Sox because there were guys that they were just trying to get to because they knew they were an automatic out in our lineup. And we have too many holes in there, and we need to find a way to fix that because waiting for Luis Robert and possibly Aloy Jimenez, is that's a long time, and we might need to fix this sooner. So we could talk about that. We could talk about how your owner picked the manager and then set a budget of same as last year. We've gone over that a lot on the show. Then the manager said, I want half that budget to be spent on a closer because I want the best. And then he doesn't have him out there starting the ninth inning after Vaughn ties it up in the top of the ninth in New York for game three of that series. We could talk about that issue. We could talk about Lance Lynn and why I think the White Sox should extend him and why I think he is more extendable than Carlos Rodon and whether or not you, you'd be making a mistake extending one now because that would mean you wouldn't get the other one. What do you feel about that? We can dive into that whole spider web today because I saw Lynn in person on Monday night, and he gave me, like, deep feelings, good feelings while I was watching him. <laughs> I mean, like... <laughs> you, you, you had you had sensations? I had sensations. explain? Right, I had things... I mean, like, there's so much we can get into for that. I mean, w- going from Lynn to Kopech, like, at no point did I feel fear. Like, they make me feel safe, you know? They make me they make yeah. me feel safe in the darkness, those two on the mound. That was, that was amazing, all right? So we could talk about that. We could talk about how sports is really going to bring us all back from a pandemic. And that was evident on Monday night at 60%. And how the fans were acting, interacting with each other, what the feeling of the ballpark was, how much more open everything was, how people were starting to come out from like the fear of being around other people. Uh, and, and so there's a lot that we could talk about there. And, and, and the feeling inside of the ballpark that I did not feel in the first few games that I went there in person this year. We could talk about how my father hates Jason Benetti and doesn't listen to him anymore and watches the TV with Len Casper and DJ on in the background because he's sick of Benetti telling him that all the things you learned about baseball in your entire life are no longer valid because now we play baseball differently. So we can jump into that because I had to listen to him for about an inning and a half yesterday at the game after about four beers in. Like he was really, really angry with Jason Benetti. And what he was saying, I think also speaks to the divide between White Sox fans and it's probably pretty evenly split with those fans also deciding, do I like Tony LaRussa and do I not like Tony LaRussa? And then we can finally, something if we want to go down like a deep, dark hole in this choose your own adventure, we could talk about the toxicity of White Sox Twitter. And we could talk about how two comments by Tony LaRussa in this St. Louis Cardinals series that were made virtually back to back, one of them complimenting your mean Mercedes and the other one complimenting Andrew Vaughn, yet those that are angry at the manager and will just find anything to be upset about went way over the deep end, saying that since Vaughn's compliments sounded better, that Tony had done something nefarious and slighted Mercedes, even though he had just complimented him in the comment beforehand. And we can read those compliments and we can break that down. Although, I mean, that that one's going to get me all fired up because I just wanted to strangle people when I saw the reaction on White Sox Twitter, like, you can't even say something nice about somebody without getting jumped all over right now. 
So those are all the things we can jump into. That's your choose your own adventure. I see you writing it down there at the other end of the nine foot homemade oak bar. So what do you want to do today, my friend? Let's eliminate a couple right off the bat. Uh, should Lancelin be extended? Yes, absolutely. And uh, I don't I don't know that there's a whole lot that we need to delve into on that. I think you just sort of answered the question uh, when you were talking about it. Somebody's going to sit there and say, well, Kopech is coming. So does that mean you're not signing Rodan? And then I guess I would sit there and say, well, can you sign Rodan based upon who his agent is? And his price might be actually more because Lynn is looking to kind of finish his career from what we've heard from people He doesn't want to move around anymore. He wants to find a place to be happy. So he might be more signable, but you're right. We we can get more into that, but it sounds to me like you're like, nope, he's good. Sign him. What else do we eliminate? Uh, I think we can eliminate any more talk of Adam Engel. If you are not at least a little happy with the fact that a guy who is a legitimate major league outfielder and has been for the past couple of years and is at least an upgrade over Larry Garcia and Jake Lamb is coming back from a hamstring injury then you just want to watch the world burn. And frankly, <laughs> we I, I, I got nothing more for you. Right. He's better defensively than everybody out there. And he's faster than everybody out there right off the bat. And you could argue that he's going to be a better guy with the stick than most of the guys that are available to play the outfield. So he's at least one of your top three with a bat that's available right now. All right. Yeah, he's a fourth outfielder, but he still is an upgrade over the crap you have out there right now. And trust me, there's crap out there, but go ahead. Right. And, and that brings me to the other one that I think we could probably eliminate because the answer is just, yes, they need another outfield bat because unfortunately, Luis Robert is hurt and Adam Engel coming back is not going to change the fact that Adam Eaton is either too hurt to continue to play or just is on the downslope of his career and is not an everyday player anymore, and Larry Garcia does not belong as an everyday player either. So, yeah, we need another outfield bat. And Larry Garcia is is an adventure every time the ball is hit. He's not a center fielder, is the problem. But the thing is, you might not really get this on TV, because on TV, you're watching the crack of the bat, the cameraman has to find whoever the ball is being hit towards, you're seeing guys come onto the screen like last minute sometimes and seeing the end of the play, but you're not actually seeing the entire play develop. Monday night alone, he took three really bad routes to balls. He recovered on two of them that he had to recover on, and the third one was bailed out where runs would have scored if Andrew Vaughn doesn't take a better route because when they crisscross in left center field near the track, Vaughn had the line the whole time. My my dad and I both muttered Garcia's not on is not getting to that ball. He thought he was, and then when he got to the ball, the ball was going to land four feet over his head. He took it. He he misjudged the ball. Only Andrew Vaughn, again, a guy that you never would have thought was going to be patrolling the outfield and doing a good job defensively. No, everybody was against it. Oh, he's going to be terrible <laughs> out there. He's a first baseman. He's so slow. He saved runs out there, and then he created runs at the plate. So look. He is the best outfielder they have right now. Garcia is a nice fill-in uh, 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 jack-of-all-trades guy, but he can't be out there all the time, and we really need an outfielder. We cannot wait forever for Robert to come back and expect him to be well and for Jimenez to come back and expect him to be well. We need to be more proactive. I, 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 we really need to make something happen here, and I just cannot believe there isn't something out there that can be done right now or very soon with the White Sox. I think Rick Hahn needs to pull a trigger very, very soon on an acquisition. Or you know what? Get Jake Berger out in the outfield and have him start working out in the outfield because the, the kid is killing the ball down there, and I would be perfectly fine 
with a bad defensive outfield that it could hit better than the other options that we have out there. Let's just fill the outfield with guys who would be like a Stratomatic four, you know, defensively, for those of you who are fans of Stratomatic baseball. All right. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like really bad, you know, subpar defensive guys that are out there that can hit because there are too many holes in the lineup. All right. So what do you want to talk about? I'm curious about your dad hating Jason Benetti, but I, I, I think that that feels like something that you need to do more research on other than just a, an inning and a half of your dad with a few beers in a minute game. <laughs> the Toxic Socks Twitter thing, I think just we'll call that haters going to hate. Let's talk about Tony's use of the bullpen and, the, and a little bit of the feel good about what it was like being back in the ballpark with 60%, because I haven't been yet, and, and I want to see what... What were you feeling there? All right, let's talk about that stuff coming up here in just a few moments. Don Paul is next. We'll get to those two, and if we get lucky, Ed will have to go back into the list and find a third topic before we get out of here. This is Socks in the Basement, found everywhere podcasts can be found, and always at SocksInTheBasement.com. Socks in the Basement listeners, do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the South Side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota, and one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. Joining me on the phone line right now, our good friend, former White Sox pitcher, originally from Evergreen Park, Illinois, the South Side Zone, Don Paul's on the line. How are you, Don? Doing great. Doing great. Thanks for having me out with you again. Listen, I'm going to tell you, um, baseball's back. I'm feeling good. I went on on Monday night. Uh, That was a heck of a game. So much fun watching a guy like Lance Lynn go out there. I felt like before that game started with a guy like Lance Lynn out on the mound, and I'm talking about a guy who's emotional, especially at the end of the game a guy who goes deep, a guy who pitches over 100 pitches in pretty much every game that he goes out there and throws the ball. Coming off of a sweep in New York where this team is down, that guy wanted that game so bad. And the leadership and the the, the fact that he just basically said, that's it, I'm dragging you through a game where for the most part in that game, the bats were just silent. There were so many guys left on base and he just willed them to a point where eventually the Sox were able to break it open and win that game. How important was it to have a guy that was almost like the leader of the staff? Because I feel like he is the de facto leader of that entire pitching room. Yeah, it's hugely important, especially you know if you have any kind of a losing streak, if your bullpen is tired, you know something to have a guy that's going to go out there as your your bulldog kind of starter that says, "Hey, I'm going to take the ball and." I'm going you know, the distance or seven or eight high-quality innings for us. Um, give us a great chance to win this game. And, uh, you know, so it's awesome to have a guy like that you know, on your staff. And now when I was pitching, when I was playing, we had Jack McDonald was kind of that kind of a guy that would just do that. And, 
say, screw it, I'm taking over right here for us, and uh, we're going to get a win here, no, no doubt about it. So, yeah, Lance Lynn can definitely says that bill. A lot of times Giolito does that too, and last year Keiko kind of did that too. You know, I got the feeling coming out of that game, just to kind of stick with Lynn for another question here, is that, well, he kind of said it in his in his post-game remarks. He, he really wanted that. He actually said uh, one of his feelings he had while he was pitching in that game was hatefulness. You know, you have to remember he was with the Cardinals. There was obviously a chip on his shoulder. Did you ever pitch with a chip? Does that help or hurt to be to be emotional while taking on a team? Was like there a team that you just you just despised or like a, a game where you walked out there and be like I hate these guys and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna sit them down. <laughs> you know that can you're right being emotional out there. Some guys it helps, some guys it hurts. It, it is really weird because you, you do see it go both ways. Some guys they they really. It, 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 the big thing is controlling that emotion, you know, channeling the emotion in a good way for you, making you more focused. Because some guys will have that emotion going and they'll want to do too much and, and they'll end up having a bad game because of it. Um, so you got to be careful about that, too. Sometimes it's better off just to have no emotion and you go out there and just, just go about your business, <laughs> too. So it can go both ways for sure. One of the things that we've been watching here with the pitching staff, it, we're just kind of curious about it. You know, as fans, we're we're looking at a team that's well, everybody in Major League Baseball. Everybody in Major League Baseball had to deal with a shortened season last year, which means these guys didn't pitch a lot of innings and they had a long layoff. And normally when a guy comes off an injury and he has a long layoff, let's say he hasn't pitched the year before, he can't go a ton of innings. He's not gonna go two hundred some innings the next year. Do you think that that's also applicable in, in this case? Like if you were a pitcher, would you be concerned? Like, can I go a whole season like I normally do if I didn't actually pitch that much the year before? How much does that matter? You know, it's a good point. Um, I think it has a little bit of a factor. I think if you, if you skip the whole year, I think it definitely would affect you more. But I think these guys got a fair amount of work in last year. They got, what, a third of the season or something, I guess they went. So they, they did work. So it's... I think they'd be fine to, to go whatever their normal would, normal would be, especially if you went, you know, pitched what you kind of pitched last year. If you kind of skipped the year like Kopech, yeah, you wonder how much like someone like Kopech could go inning-wise. But I, I think you're right. I think that would be a little bit of a factor, but uh, I still think they'd be okay. You mentioned Michael Kopech. I'd love to hear your thoughts on him because I, I, I got to see him in person uh, for the first time in a long time the other night in the ballpark when he comes in for the last two innings uh, against the Cardinals. And – First of all, he seems like he's just so calm. He was almost like, yep. I, I I feel so confident with him coming out of the pen. And even when he gives up a hit, it was almost as if uh, that was that guy just stuck his bat out and was able to bloop it into the outfield. And Kopech just kind of shrugs it off and goes back there. For being such a young guy, after going through everything he seems to have gone through over the last couple of years, what does that say to you? God. Yeah, he's he does seem, you know, I hate to say it about Michael Kopech, but it does seem somewhat mature out there on the mound. <laughs> you know, he, uh, so stuff that he's gone through, and um, it, it's nice to see him coming out there and being successful and being reliable, looks like, as a release pitcher, because you, uh, he's kind of skeptical about that. A lot of times a, a starter, a young starter, you know, may have a hard time adjusting to being a bullpen guy. You know, if you're kind of a a hard-throwing uh, guest starter who's used to just going you know, a bunch of innings. So it's really nice to see him be able to do the relief, to be able to do both duties, you know, to be able to be flexible to do that in the bullpen or else go out there and start and give you five innings right now as a starter too. So 
it's great to have that on your team. There's somebody who can do that. And I, I would think for sure somewhere down the road here, he's going to be a full-time starter. And it's just nice to have the flexibility of a swing man right now. I can't wait for him to be a full-time starter too. I've noticed a few times this year, and I think it's, you know, it's not entirely on Tony. It just depends on how the inning went. But there's been times where we've had our closer Liam Hendricks coming in and he's not starting a clean inning. You know, it's late in the game. They're kind of hoping to push a little bit later into the game or in the extra innings. Now, all of a sudden, there's a little bit of trouble on the mound and in comes Hendricks. And it seems like a massive disadvantage because he's not starting with a clean inning. Uh, kind of take people through who might not understand, you know, obvious differences with not having a, you know, not getting to start the inning and coming in with guys on base in a situation. That's clear. You know, you get you got to pitch pitch from the stretch, and you gotta you know you gotta keep track of guys that you didn't even put on there, and you're coming in in a high pressure situation. But it kind of break down for people what the the difference is there because it hasn't always worked out for Hendricks, and people we paid him a lot of money, but there's a big difference coming in with guys on base, right? Yeah, there there certainly is, and and. And the bottom line, though, is for these guys, you know, for someone like him, I mean, that's what you're getting paid to do. You're getting paid to, to come in, regardless if it's a clean inning or if there's guys on base, you are the guy to come in and get guys out no matter what the circumstances are. Um, but it is, like I said, it's a little bit tougher when you come in with guys on base. You can't just uh, give up a single or a walk or something, and it, it is much tougher. And uh, But especially your closer, uh you know, that's, again, that's, that's what you're paying the big bucks for. So uh, you got to be able to do that. And you, I still think he will be able to do that. I know he struggled with it a couple times the other day in New York. Jeez, I don't know what happened there. Um, but, um, yeah, he's got to get it together to be able to do that. night the San Diego chicken made an appearance at the rate I didn't know other teams mascots could come onto your mascots field but it was by request Cowboy Joe West making it all about him at the ballpark for a record number of games speaking of jokes there's an outdoor comedy show coming to Cork and Cary in Beverly 10416 Southwestern in that beautiful beer garden, that amazing patio they have on Thursday, June the 3rd, 7.30 p.m. Start put on by all that good stuff. $10 admission. There is a capped capacity. Go to Eventbrite and look up the outdoor comedy show at Cork and Carry. A beautiful, traditional Irish pub with an amazing outdoor area, plus the classic indoor Irish pub look. Hang out in Beverly with your friends and watch some White Sox games at the original Cork and Carry. Learn more at CorkandCarryBeverly.com. You know, I'm surprised that one of the things that you wanted to talk about was the use of the bullpen in a game that happened a few days ago. Because I, I feel like Tony, and, and you know, it's interesting, we touched on it with Don Paul there, so I guess it kind of leads into it, that, that Tony has been doing this a lot lately, and I don't know if he's testing guys still, where he's trying to figure out who he trusts and who he doesn't trust. And he's trying to figure out what buttons he can and cannot push. But I was surprised about the decision to not have, uh, you know, your, your best closer, your best, your, your, supposedly your best relief pitcher. Although I, you could almost argue that Michael Kopech is, <laughs> that may be Kopech this trust- year. So I, I trust Michael Kopech more than anybody right now coming out of that bullpen. I think Tony does too, but I, you didn't have Liam Hendricks out there in the bottom of the ninth inning. Yes. It's a tie game. But I don't understand the thinking of you're saving your closer. 
get into that extra inning thing where anything can happen with the runner standing on second base and have Liam Hendricks pitch the entire ninth inning. Give him a clean inning. Don Paul says it doesn't matter if you have a clean inning or not because that's your job. Get in there and do it. But what do you say? Well, two nights in a row, right? At least two, two maybe, I'm, maybe I'm misremembering slightly, but there was at least two games there where he had the pitcher who pitched the eighth inning start the ninth inning, and it backfired. And you you have Tony using guys, I don't want to say haphazardly, but I, I don't see a pattern to how he's using anybody yet. And when you have somebody like Hendricks and you're bringing him in to try and clean up a dirty inning, as you said, instead of having him start the ninth, if you're going to use Hendricks again in the 10th, I think Liam Hendricks can go two innings and give you a win, you know, with, with the kind of a two inning save type of a situation in that scenario. Or why are you running bummer out there in the first place to start that inning and trying to extend him when we know that he is based on past usage, really either a guy who's going to come in and potentially clean up some, something with a ground ball or a guy that needs a clean inning himself as a setup guy. I just I feel like Tony is if he's still trying to sort these guys out. I'm wondering what he's waiting for, and I'm wondering what he's looking for for these guys to step up and do because they're it just feels like they're not being used correctly at this point. With the exception of maybe Evan Marshall, who seems to seems to be having some problems. Listen, Liam Hendricks should get an entire inning without anybody on base. I I firmly believe that he's a closer. He should be there, and he should be starting the inning off. You're right. Yeah, and that's that is if you're going to go with the managing the X's and O's of the game, that's the only thing that I've seen Tony do where it's really a head scratcher because he just does not seem to have a handle on his bullpen. Like bringing in Hendricks with the bases loaded and he's got to come in and he's got to throw strikes. And you're also bringing in a guy in that situation that you know is fastball and slider. Well, the two things he cannot do, he cannot get a slider to go past his catcher. And he also has to be careful about putting fastballs in a hittable position because all that's needed is really judged to make contact in that situation, right? So it's it's he puts him in in kind of a no-win situation. You almost feel like maybe it would have been better either A, have Hendricks start that inning, or B, just, you know, let Bummer continue to face him and try and get, you know, another weak grounder or something like that. It just it's it's weird to me that Tony's struggling this bad with the bullpen because I don't feel like this was something that traveled with him from St. Louis, Oakland, or even going back to his first stint with the Sox. Your other pick here for the Choose Your Own Adventure, Monday night at the ballpark with Dad. It was his first time there, so he was he was trying to figure the whole thing out. And, and just for the sake of everybody understanding here, even though I don't think I should have to tell you, I don't think I should have to walk around and declare that I have a vaccine. But I'm going to tell you I'm vaccinated. So as a vaccinated individual, and first of all, before I was vaccinated, I felt pretty comfortable during this thing. But now I feel extremely comfortable during this thing. Right. And I'm a vaccinated individual that went to a ballpark and was like, I'm hoping that it's as normal as it can possibly be. And you don't know what it's like. And when you walk up to the ballpark, they had this repeating thing that Gene Honda is basically making it sound like you're going into like. I don't know, you're going, you're getting on like a really dangerous ride at an amusement park. You know, keep your hands and arms inside at all times. Pregnant women shouldn't ride this ride. Like he's very, it's very serious and it's on repeat and it's kind of foreboding as you approach the ballpark. Okay. Like with all the rules and the regulations. But then as you walk through the doors, as people are going up the escalators, I'm just going to be honest with you. Everybody takes their mask off. There were some people that kept them on, but by the time we got to, I would say the, the, the end of the first inning, there were none in my section. 
There were none. Uh, on, there were none when I got up to go walk to the bathroom, and in the ballpark it was pretty wide open. And at sixty percent, you're next to people. You know. Yeah, that's 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 a pretty normal. That's a pretty normal crowd. That's six out of every ten seats are taken. And there's no real space. Like I had people sitting directly behind me. And, you know, so, I mean, literally, they're breathing right over the top of me. There's fights breaking out in the outfield. I mean, there's people, you know, interacting. Oh, yeah, that, was, that was crazy. The girl fight that happened in the ninth inning um, in left field on Monday night, we could see it from, we were down the third base line, so we're overlooking it in the 300 level. And uh, that was a raucous fight. That was, yeah. I mean, that was, that was insane. But that whole, that whole section was crazy the whole night long. We were laughing about it. Like, they were, they were on it. They were on an 11. They turned that thing all the way up past 10 to 11 that night. And it was, it was raucous, but you know, that's how close everybody was. It was loud. It was raucous. And there was a crowd there. The checkpoints are gone. You know, before they had checkpoints, you can only get to this part of the stadium. You can only, if you're on the concourse, you can't leave the concourse. You didn't see all that stuff anymore. And it it really felt like a normal ball game. Like I had a moment there where I was sitting there. I said, wow, this is the first time in a long time. I felt very normal. I had a big smile on my face. People could see the big smile on my face. I could see the big smiles on their face. And, you know, it, it, I, I feel like sports is going to be what brings us back, right? Because now what you see is you see people going, well, do I wear my mask? Do I not wear my mask? If I take my mask off, am I offending somebody? And, and people don't know what to do, right? In small situations, people don't know what to do. But in a big, giant ballpark, people were able to look around and see a lot of people all acting a certain way. And it seemed like you could see people that were uncomfortable at the beginning of the game very comfortable at the end of the game. Like we had, we had this couple that was sitting near us. Right. And they both walked in they were like fully masked. Right. Mm -hmm. And then by the end of the first inning, he took his off. She looked very nervous by the end of the game. She's slapping high fives with us. Right. Like she needed to get over that hump. Right. I mean, I'm never going to besmirch anybody for being nervous. We all have our own thing. We've got to work through after this crazy last year and a half, but sports was kind of bringing people back to normal. Like it was like, she needed to go through a couple of innings to feel normal again and then act a little bit more normal, you know? Like, that was the thing. Like, you could kind of actually see, like, the stress coming off of people and people starting to relax and people saying, wait, this is okay again and it's okay for me to do this. And it's just like, it was, with the exception, like I said, of the bad apples with the fights, seemed like a very, very happy crowd, you know? A lot of people that were just like in a, in a really good mood watching a ball game and it felt really normal. And I feel like sports is going to be what brings us back. I think baseball is going to be the thing that really brings us all back this summer, especially if we attend a game. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm proud of the White Sox for how they're handling things right now while they're there. Even while the Sox were struggling there to score runs, I felt I, it felt good, normal and right. Like for the first time in a long time. I mean, and I had been to games earlier in the season. This one just felt, this was the most normal I had felt in any situation since March of 2020. I think what you're going to see is people getting over it. I think you're right about that. But honestly, even stuff like the fights, frankly, there are people who have been waiting to fight somebody now for for well over a year. (laughs) They were out there clearly looking for somebody to go after. You can only argue on White Sox Twitter so much. And then eventually you meet the guy that you've been talking trash to for the last year and you end up in a fight. I mean, at that point, you're either going to fight or if Hollywood has taught me anything, it's either going to be a fight or you're going to start making out. One of the two. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks.
Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found. And always on SocksInTheBasement.com.